Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed podcast. I want to interview our special guest, Terry Hasdorf, who I've known her forever. We've known her, my goodness, she helped us begin uh, the ministry that we had in Washington, D.C. Clear back in 2014. She was a very key part of it, guiding us. She's been in Washington, D.C. for the longest time. Uh, she ran for Congress. She's written a, a spectacular book that I hope she'll talk about tonight. And the theme is going to be why you need and must become involved governmentally and politically and how to do that. I suppose sometimes sometimes people feel, I don't know what to do. Uh, Terry's going to take away the question mark in that, put an exclamation mark. I know what to do. Remember in Romans, when Paul writes to the church in Rome, he made it real clear what the purpose of government is. It's to protect the citizenry. It's to reward goods, punish evil. He made it very clear. Now, if you're in a monarchy, there's a lot of things you can do. He said to affect government. He said the purpose of government is to do those things to protect the citizenry. Now, if you're in a monarchy, you can't impact the government very much. If you're in an oligarchy, there's relatively little you can do. But if you're in a constitutional republic that votes democratically, we are the people. We we are the government. We, the people, are the government. That being the case, we make the difference. So that is an implicit within the command of Scripture that we rise up and help form the government, be the government, because the government is to be, and here comes the clincher, the diakonos in the Greek word of God, the minister of God, the servant of God. In a constitutional republic that votes democratically, we, the people, are the ones to make sure the government functions for the purpose for which it was created, according to Romans, what Paul wrote to the church in Rome, and that is to be a minister of God, a servant of God. That being the case, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ in a country such as ours, you will be involved governmentally. If you're a serious, uh, biblically founded, grounded follower of Jesus Christ. So how do we get involved? Well, Terry Hasdorf is going to give us a clue of exactly how to do that. Terry, thank you for being on with us. Take one moment to talk about yourself, who you are, and especially that new master's degree you're getting from Oxford University in England, and then, then bring us up to speed how we can get involved. Well, thank you so much, Jim. It's an honor to be with you tonight. So I uh, grew up in Alabama. I'll tell you this story really quickly because this kind of shapes why I got involved in politics to begin with. When I was in high school, I was selected as one of 40 student leaders from across the state of Alabama to travel to Russia on an exchange program. And we traveled to seven different cities. And I got to see firsthand what communism and socialism do to people. And the oppression and the hopelessness of the people was just so overwhelming to me that I realized firsthand, you know, this is why America is so incredible. This is what makes America so special and unique. And literally after three long weeks being in a, a communist country, I came back and got down on my hands and knees when I kissed the ground and kissed the ground when I landed at John F. Kennedy Airport. I was just so grateful to be an American. And, you know, that really set a course for my life. I, I started volunteering in the governor's office and uh, worked in, in 
several different internships in Washington, and then eventually went on to work on Capitol Hill for about six years, worked on the language that put the faith-based initiative into law, went to uh, Alabama and set up the first office of faith-based and community initiatives for the governor, and then uh, eventually came back to my home state of Alabama after working in Washington a little bit longer to run for Congress. And boy, did I learn a lot during that experience. And then I, I uh, actually took over a super PAC after my race ended. And when those things were finished, I felt like God really put it on my heart to write a book. And, you know, all these years later, when I look back on that experience being in Russia, it, it, there is such an enormous difference between countries that have adopted communism and socialism and what we have right here in the United States. And that's part of why I think that it is so critical for us to fight to protect what we have and appreciate what we have. And that was part of the catalyst for the book. Uh, you know, according to Pew Research, 64% of Americans identify as Christians. And yet less than 41%, approximately 41% of evangelical Christians are even registered to vote. So that's a really staggering statistic when you think about if we were able to encourage people to move the needle on that, even just 5% or 10%, what a difference that could make in some of the elections that we have coming up. Terry, I think you gave some, uh, sorry to intrude here, but you gave some PowerPoint to Tristan, do you want already, I think you may have covered a point or two on that one. Do you want that brought up? Absolutely. Yes. You can, you can throw up that first slide, Tristan. Sorry. And then we'll go to the second one. And, you know, I actually I'll have to go to one more. So the, the main thing that, that we want to talk about today is why it's so critical for Christians to be involved. You know, the, the, the statistics that I'm giving you are based off of uh, some of the research that I did for the book. Uh, Jeremiah 29.7 talks about how we are to seek the welfare of the city where we are sent. And, you know, if we're called to rule and reign, if we're called to be more than conquerors, then why would that not apply to government? And yet so many Christians have taken a step back a lot of times and been like, oh, gosh, I don't know if I want to get involved in that. The reason why I named the book that I wrote Running Into the Fire is because I was talking to a friend of mine who had actually run for Congress about the same time I did. And I asked him, why do you believe Christians shy away from being involved in politics? And he said, well, because they're afraid of it. They think of it as being dirty and corrupt. And I said, yes, that's exactly what I hear over and over. He said, but you know what they really need to be doing is thinking of it more like people who are in law enforcement or people who are firefighters because they're trained to overcome their fears. And instead of running away from the burning building, they run right into it. And I thought, you know, that's exactly it. As Christians, we're called to walk in faith, not fear. And so that is part of why, you know, when you look at what's happening around you, as Americans, we tend to attack the fruit and not the roots of what is happening and, you know, as my friend Eamon Ross likes to say, uh, you can go to the next slide, Tristan. If you want to see what it looks like to not have Christians involved in politics, just turn on your TV set. So this is a time right now where we're seeing a lot of statistics that are troubling. You know, child pornography is just skyrocketing after COVID. The U.S. has the highest recorded murder rates in six decades Suicide is is up. Drug abuse is up. I don't need to tell you some of these stats. I know a lot of you already know this, but, you know, I thought it was fascinating, too, that the United States has the highest incarceration rate of any developed country in the world. 
And so often Christians are looking at these statistics and they're seeing this, but they're kind of like, well, what can I do? I'm here to tell you there's a lot you can do. That's part of why I wrote the book was to take my 20 plus years of experience in politics and pour that into this book so that you know where the levers are, you know how to make a difference, and you understand how to be the most effective you can be. So if you'll go to the next slide, Tristan. Um, you know, Plato has a quote. He said, the punishment which the wise suffer who refuse to take part in the government is to live under the government of worse men. And right now we are in a place where I think that, you know, this dissatisfaction with Congress and so many of our political leaders is at an all time high in many ways. If you can go to the next slide, Tristan, we know that freedom is the cornerstone of our national existence. We all know that. Um, surprisingly, there was just a Heritage Foundation poll recently done, and it showed that America is not even in the top 10 anymore when being ranked for freedom for its citizens. We are now ranked 17th in the world, and we've slipped because of excessive government spending and intrusive regulations burdening things like our health care and financial sectors. So, you know, higher taxes, greater government spending lead to less economic freedom, leads to less opportunities for business to be done, and that drops us down on the scale to number 17th which is so sad because America has always been that, you know, beacon for freedom and the example to the world of what that looks like. So that's part of why I'm putting out a call to action for the body of Christ, because we are called to be salt and light. And I don't have to, you know, tell you that greater political engagement can dramatically change a political landscape. Okay, Tristan, one more slide. Uh, you know, few statistics that you might find of interest. There are over 500,000 elected office positions in the United States. But in 2016, the percentage of Americans who gave more than $200 to political campaigns was less than 1%, which is just a tiny fraction of the American population that actually put skin in the game and supported somebody that really might have been an incredible candidate but if they don't have the support behind them, they aren't going to be able to win. You know, a lot of people just don't realize that political campaigns are basically a marketing exercise and it's a branding campaign. It's a branding exercise. So if you don't have that kind of support behind you, it's very hard to win. So less than 1% gave to the gave to candidates and uh, contributed. I'm going to let you go back to the, go to the next slide for me real quick. But uh, another stat that is really quite interesting is that only 2% of Americans say that they've ever run for federal, local, or state elected office. So when you think about it, that is such a tiny part of the population that's participating in something that literally affects everything that we do. The mountain of government is the one that touches all the rest. And, you know, giving to political campaigns is something that a lot of people think, oh gosh, well, I tithe to my church. Why do I need to do that? Well, as one political consultant friend explained to me, for the liberal left, politics is their religion, and they tithe to it on a regular basis. They have no problem writing checks to campaigns, even if they're small checks, because they understand that those little checks can add up to way more than just a few big ones. Okay, Tristan, next slide. So according to Ledge Branch, um, the 2000 election cycle was uh, the most expensive cycle, uh, one of the most expensive cycles on record. Um, the 2022 cycle was uh, record-breaking, and we just keep continuing to see this go up and up and up. So this, this chart shows what I'm seeing from a lot of the things that I've worked with, with super PACs and um, political fundraising. It is, it is staggering how much money is being spent. 
And this is only going to get higher. The 24 race will most likely be, once again, the most expensive race uh, election cycle in history. And so when you look at the amount of money that's being spent, and yet fewer and fewer people are able to run because of those numbers that it takes to even you know go into some of the smaller offices, because even the down ballot races are starting to get higher and higher to try and get elected into it. That's a trend that we don't really want to allow to continue to get out of control. Uh, it's it's a it's a scary time when you realize that there's only people that are either millionaires or billionaires or people who are taking money and probably going to be uh, you know expected to do things for that money uh, that can get elected. So now is the time for the body of Christ to rise up. We have to realize that it's 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 going to take the body to help get solid people elected, and we have to engage. Politics is really a numbers game. And so, you know, if if you do not have millions of dollars, what do you do? Well, one of the most effective things that can happen is to have people support you not only with their wallets, but with their time, with their influence. And, you know, it can be something as simple as even just going door to door for a candidate. Uh, you know, a lot of people think it takes millions of dollars, but look at the truck driver in New Jersey who won a seat uh, for a state office by just simply going door to door. And he was able to beat his opponent because everybody knew who he was. And that's one of the most important things that it comes down to is just looking at how can we support one another and support good candidates. If you'll go to the next slide, Tristan. Part of the reason why this is so important, there's a group called the Secular Democrats of America. They have a 28-page document that they prepared for the Biden administration asking to have all references to Judeo-Christian heritage, including all of our religious freedom protections, just stripped out completely. They uh, want to have phrases like God and country and any kind of uh, implication that applies to service members uh, that are guided by their faith be stripped out. And they've asked that the Biden administration change the national motto from in God we trust to e pluribus unum. So, you know, that's very frightening. But then when you look at in the 2020 elections, there were dozens of candidates that were endorsed by the Democratic Socialists of America, and they won seats all over the country from city council on up to Congress. And the membership in that organization has been growing continuously. So, you know, when 70 percent of millennials are saying that they would vote for a socialist, we're facing a time where if we don't speak up, we risk losing everything. I love what Eric Metaxas said in his book, Letter to the American Church, where he talks about how we currently risk being caught up in what the German political scientist Elizabeth Noel Newman dubbed the spiral of silence, which is a phenomenon that occurs when people see a culture transitioning towards tyranny, but they refuse to speak. And the longer people hesitate, the more the price of speaking rises. And as that price gets higher and higher, fewer people choose to speak and the price rises again and again and so on until basically an entire nation can be silenced. And that's what Eric says he sees happening currently in America. So let's go to the next slide, Tristan. Our country's never been closer to embracing socialism. Webster's defines socialism as the transition from capitalism into communism, according to Marxist theory. More people have died from communism than any war that we've fought. Only 9 million people died in World War I, 10 million people died as a result of the Nazi genocide under Hitler, 60 million people lost their lives during World War II, but that doesn't compare to the totals of communism, which is between 1917 and 1991, over 100 million people have died as a direct result of communist actions and ideas. So 
we are the solution. You can go on up to that next slide. That's really what is, is, you know, the most important thing to remember. We are the ones who have to say, okay, I don't, I don't agree with this and I've got to use my voice and speak up now while I still have the choice to do that. Um, one more disturbing fact. I recently read a Fox News article about how the Chinese Communist Party is rewriting the Bible. They uh, basically Chairman Xi Jinping has said that uh, he wants to sinicize religion, which means make it Chinese in character or form. So he is rewriting the Bible, the Quran and other religious texts. And there was one that uh, was uh, sort of a sneak preview that was slipped out from a Chinese university textbook in 2020 where the story of, in, in, in the Gospel of John, when the woman who was caught in adultery, and instead of, uh, you know, Jesus giving her mercy and saying, neither do I condemn you, and letting her go away and sin no more, they rewrote it so that Jesus was actually the one who stoned the woman to death himself, because she was viewed as a dissident of the state. <laughs> so this is what's on our doorstep. And we think about, you know, gosh, throughout history, we've had our ancestors fight so hard for freedom. It's a lot easier to fight to keep what you have than to fight to get it back once it's lost. And so that's why, you know, this book is so important. You can go to the next slide. Um, I really believe that God has a, a plan for our country, that there is hope that we are not in a time where everything is lost. We are one nation under God. That's what makes us indivisible. Our country is an amazing uh, country because we have the opportunity to get involved in government and make a difference. And so that's why I wrote this book. Faith without works is dead. And putting that faith into action is something that you can do. The, the book was written for people who may find politics confusing or overwhelming. It's for those who care about what's happening in our country and would like to get involved and know how to be more effective, how to really make a difference. There's a, a list of 20 steps that you can take right now today to start getting involved and, and make a difference. And I really decode and demystify a lot of things for people just to try and help them understand, look, it's not the scary, overwhelming thing. One of the stats that I found out when I was doing the research for the book is that, you know, there's a little less than three, a little over 3000 counties in the United States. Now, I may not be able to make a difference in the whole world. I might not be able to change what's happening in Washington on a daily basis, but I can make a difference in my county. I can get involved right there with local races, which many times local county officials go on to run for state office and state officials go on to run for federal office. So, you know, it starts with you. It starts with figuring out and praying, OK, God, what is it that you want me to do right now today? How do I make a difference? And how do I get involved today with not only using my time, my influence, voting at the ballot box, but making sure that I give in every way that I possibly can to protect what we have, which is so precious here in this country. So I'd love for you to check out my website. Um, it's God Over Government. If you'll go to godovergovernment.com slash action, that is a place where you can sign up. I'm working on some really neat things with uh, some of the things that Jim and I have actually been talking about this last week. I'm, I'm working on some cool things that we're going to be announcing soon through that website. And I'd love for you to be a part of that. So please go and sign up for that newsletter and uh, please buy the book and please vote. <laughs> please register to vote if you're not already registered. Thanks, Jim, for letting me talk. Uh, I don't have a copy of the book here, Terry. Undoubtedly you do, or I hope you do. Can you grab a copy? Good. You've got a copy right here. Just give us a sample of the chapter titles. So if somebody gets it, 
what are they going to be learning? Can you do that for us? Actually, Jim, I'm sorry, this is just a note card that shows the cover, but I can tell you real quickly. So one of the chapters that, you know, I start off and I basically just explain the power of the church and why we as the body are so incredible when we come together and we are really, you know, working in tandem with one another uh, and the need for the support of candidates and and people who are serving in government that are trying to do things the right way. So there's a, there's a chapter called Called. There's another one called trained and another one called supported. And that kind of walks you through what people who are running for office need, what people who want to run for office need to be as far as trainings and what they need once they get in to really be supported well. There's a chapter that talks about if you're a church, the kind of guidance that you need for what you can and cannot do so that you don't need to be afraid of running into issues with the government or the IRS. You just need to be well-informed. And, you know, that's one of the things that I love about you, Jim, you, you do a lot to help people in that uh, space and be well-versed on issues. This helps them be well-versed on what they can and cannot do uh, if they're speaking from the pulpit or they're a pastor or church leader and want to talk about, uh, you know, government issues. And then uh, there's a chapter that talks about some of the things that I just shared about socialism and unpacks some of the things that you personally can do to push back against that agenda. And there's also uh, a resource section in the back that gives you uh, firsthand information about what you can do to follow up after the book, to plug into trainings and other organizations that will be helpful to you to you know start taking taking action so it's a call to action it's an equipping tool and it's a resource guide well that is really excellent i think what the most encouraging me is it's practicality here's what you can do because many people don't know what to do i'm kind of fascinated by the fact that your three points are uh what did you say called trained and supported three points i did in my doctoral dissertation analyzing wesley's Mobilizing the equipping of the laity in the 1700s in England, and it was called gifted, trained, and sent. So we're pretty pretty close on the same ones there. Uh, <laughs> just give me you're you're working on a, a MBA in Oxford University. Is that correct? In England, I am. Yes, I'm close to finishing that one. Uh, Terry's also working on another project that's pretty massive in scope, staggering in scope, and she's going to be coming back. I hope someday soon to tell us about that. She can't talk about it yet but it will really encourage you. Um, we've had a lot of conversation about it, but we can't roll it out quite yet. So she'll come back for that purpose. Terry, when you ran for office, what was the most encouraging thing in that running for office? What was the most challenging thing? And I'm asking this for twofold. I'm hoping there's some people right now that will hear that. And there are 511,000 elected offices in our country perhaps even more, but that's what it was a couple of years ago. And so I want to encourage many to run for office. Secondly, if they can't run for office, they'll move alongside someone who has strong biblical values and support and encourage them and get involved in the campaign. Everyone can do that one. But let me ask you the question, what was the most challenging, what was the most encouraging thing when you ran for Congress in, the, in your state, home state? And what were the, what were the greatest challenges you faced? 
You know, I think the most encouraging thing was just when people would get behind you at the beginning, when you step out into that arena, it is one of the scariest things that I've ever done. And what made all the difference in the world was I had, I had people who on the front end, it's almost like starting up a small business. And I don't think people realize you need seed funding. When you start a business, you need seed funding when you go step into the arena of politics as well. So uh, I had a few people that were willing to get behind me early on and say, if you decide that you're going to do this, we're going to support you financially. And that emboldened me to step out into the ring because I knew I was going to be in a David and Goliath situation. I didn't have millions of dollars and I had to have at least enough money to even hire a team and go out into that arena to begin with and not, not seem foolish. And so I had a few people that came alongside me and said, we're going to get behind you and do that. And that made all the difference in the world. And it, it made me feel like they believed in me as a person. Um, so that was huge. What was the most challenging was after that, then going out. And this is one of the things I start off the book talking about is, you know, I call people over and over that because I've had a background in fundraising, I knew a lot of high net worth Christians across the country. And I thought, well, this shouldn't be that difficult to raise money because they know me. They know my beliefs. They know my values are similar to theirs and I'm aligned with them. And yet over and over and over, what I kept hearing was, oh, we, sorry, we don't give to politics. We don't get involved in politics. We just tithe or we just give to nonprofits that are Christian organizations that do, you know, work with like poverty, but we don't get involved in politics. And I'm, I'm standing out there in the middle of this, you know, arena where I'm like, I've left my job. This is like one of the hardest things I've ever done. I've got to have support to be able to do it. And you're telling me how worried you are about where the country's headed, but you won't support me. So that was part of the catalyst for the book, because people have to understand you can't do this alone. You've got to have the body behind you. And even if you have somebody like me who knows they've been called to do it and they step out into the ring, they won't be successful if they don't have the money behind them and the support of the people that have like-mindedness. The devil loves it when Christians say, I don't want to get involved in politics. The devil loves that. That's his goal. That's his objective. And, and I want to say again, you're involved not so, so much in politics. That's a side issue. You're involved in government and God established government. He established four forms of government. You're already involved in government. First one is self-restraint. That's personal government. Second one is family government. The third one is the government and the church, how the church is supposed to function. The fourth is civil governance. God is the foundation of all four. You cannot not be involved in government. You're involved in government right now. When you make personal decisions, it's a form of personal government. And God commands us to be involved. So I'm speaking to the choir right now. The people listening to this are activists and get this right away. Uh, Terry, what question should I have asked you that I failed to ask you before we go to our next guest? Oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, I think you should ask, what is it that we need to be doing to get ready for 2024? What should we be doing, be doing to get ready for 2024? That's going to be part of my next question to Matthew, but let's, let's take it up with you. Okay, so I'll just answer that really quickly. First, you need to pray. Second, you need to pray about what you need to do to get involved. And third, you really need to read this book right now so you can be ready because this is the pregame. So, you know, even getting involved for this November, which is a really good, safe, easy time because it's, a, you know, a little bit less uh, energy that's going to be devoted to, to next year. This is the pregame before the Super Bowl. So get involved now. Read the book. Think about what you can be doing. Pray and then take action. Your country needs you. Every year we say this is the most important election we ever had. You know why we say that? Because it's true. 
And this is the most important election we've ever had. And uh, folks, if we don't score right on this one and get us moved to biblical governance, this would be the last election we would ever have. Not trying to be melodramatic, just laying out the facts as they are. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Don't forget to hit subscribe to keep up to date with our latest episodes. Leave us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Thank you for listening to the WellVersed podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.